All right, I think we'll get started. <clears throat> Welcome to my session on how the largest automotive manufacturing facility in North America is getting ahead with AMRs. Uh, if you stumbled in here and aren't sure what we're going to cover, basically AMRs are autonomous mobile robots, uh, affectionately called cobots, because they're typically used hand-in-hand -hand with an operator in an e-commerce environment. But we took that solution and we decoupled the operator and used it to eliminate a lot of our long-haul movement, which provides no value within our environment. Um, if you came in here to digest your lunch, please don't wake anybody up with your snoring. But Otherwise, my name is Lee Weisenberger. I'm Managing Director of IT for Universal Logistics. Universal Logistics is a publicly traded company under the NASDAQ symbol ULH. Uh, we closed 2019 with $1.5 billion in revenue. Uh, we have about 12,000 associates and drivers across North America. Uh, our business is primarily divided into four different divisions, truckload, brokerage, value-add, which is what the division I'm responsible for, and our dedicated intermodal. Uh, recently, our intermodal group completed their acquisition of Roadrunner's intermodal group in November of 19, so that was, uh, was in the news quite a bit. Um, so let's talk about our value-add division. We primarily run dedicated warehouses. Um, we support just-in-time delivery, pick-pack operations, sequencing, cross-stock, sub-assembly. We even actually manufacture some parts for some of our customers. And when we look at the different industries we serve, most of our customers are manufacturers. Uh, we got our start in automotive. About 50% of our business is automotive-related. Uh, Nissan, one of our largest customers, is with this presentation concerns. Uh, in addition, we support the big three and probably half dozen other automotive and quite a few tier one suppliers within that group. Uh, retail consumer goods, we do some pleasure vehicles like UTV, ATVs, industrial, aerospace, energy, and a few others. But majority of our customer base is in the automotive and the manufacturing arena. So let's discuss some of the pain points. And I would assume a lot of these pain points are things that you're experiencing as well. First and foremost, labor shortages. Uh, extremely difficult time to find material handlers. Um, the number of unfilled manufacturing distribution jobs in the United States, higher than it's ever been. And it's getting worse. Uh, turnover is high. And we're seeing a lot of seasonality changes, especially as Amazon starts building more and more warehouses throughout the United States. So we've had to come up with solutions to kind of combat that. Uh, with that being said, all of our labor-intensive or complicated procedures, when we have high turnover, that's long training time. So we're trying to simplify our operations. How can we make our operators more productive quicker, knowing that we're having higher turnover than we ever had? Uh, reducing cycle times. As I said, most of our operations are dedicated, so we're dealing with an assembly line. We need to get parts of the assembly line just in time. If those parts aren't there, a lot of people are standing around not doing their job. Uh, in most cases, our cycle times are less than four hours. In many cases, we have customers that we're running a cycle time of less than an hour. And then lowering costs. Everybody is trying to reduce costs when our biggest cost is labor, and that continues to go up year over year, in many cases, double digits, what can we do to combat that? How can we be more efficient? How can we provide more value? What are some other areas that we can provide cost savings? So we're gonna talk specifically about some of the goals that we were trying to accomplish. And how we accomplished that was by 
creation of what we call our innovation core group. We took focals from our IT department, our lean engineering and ops team, and started looking at solutions that would address those concerns from the previous slides. Uh, some of those are things like AMRs, the autonomous mobile robots, uh, automated guided vehicles. Some are process-based, like robotic process automation, or uh, just improving our existing processes through Kaizen events. Uh, one of the goals that we wanted to accomplish here is reduce our full-time employment's manual movements, so keep them in one location, keep them picking parts. We get very little value when an operator's on a tugger and he's driving halfway across the facility. Uh, for scope, this facility is extremely large, so we had issues where a majority of an operator's time was going back and forth from one location to another. We're also trying to solve that staffing issue. Uh, when we don't have employees, we've got to fill that backlog with overtime hours. So not only are our labor costs going up, they're exponentially going up when we have to pay overtime. And then we wanted something that was easy to redeploy at other sites. So our contracts are typically three to five years in nature as a 3PL. So when we look at larger solutions like an ASRS, those are permanent fixtures with long ROI times that really don't fit in our environment because we only have a three to five year window for the contract term. So when we talk about this site specifically, this site is in Smyrna, Tennessee. It's about 30 minutes south of Nashville. It supports Nissan North America, which is the largest automotive assembly plant. It has an unemployment rate of 2.4%, one of the lowest in the country and historically low even for Nashville. Uh, virtually no unemployment. Uh, labor shortages. We've seen seasonal shortages as high as 10% at this facility. So on a given Monday, we may be missing 60-plus operators, and we have to backfill that with overtime hours. Facility size is just shy of 1 million square feet. So for context, the demonstration floor here is about 250,000 square feet. So this facility is about four times larger than the demo floor of Modex as a whole. Uh, capacity, this assembly plant has the capacity to build 640,000 vehicles annually. Uh, our warehouse is sized to store three days on hand, so it's a very high velocity, a lot of material moving in and out at any given time. And it's producing a wide range of vehicles, the Altima, Maxima, Leaf, um, these are all different platforms, so it's a very complex operation. So it's going to walk through. Uh, Fetch is the solution that we went on, Fetch Robotics. They've got a booth here. Their booth is 9011. Uh, they are a small AMR, and we use their cart-based solution. So the robot itself will attach to the cart and allow the robot to move the cart throughout the facility. We like this approach because it allowed us to reduce the number of operator to robot. If you go in a cobot environment, it's typically a one-to-one, -one, very high cost very limited flexibility from a robot perspective. Once the robot picks up the, the uh, cart, it's doing real-time analysis of its environment. So we've completely mapped the environment. It knows what direction it can go. It knows what obstacles are, are permanent, as well as obstacles that it, enc it encroaches that are real-time changing. You can see these robots are running in an environment that has fork trucks, tuggers, and operators. So we wanted to make sure that uh, we picked a solution that was robust enough to address all of these challenges and efficient enough to provide the return that we were looking for. 
So the robot is going to deliver these carts to an end cap, and from that point, an operator would then take that cart and deliver that part within the row to its final home. From there, the robot is going to grab the next job in the queue, go on, and uh, basically start the process all over again. In this facility, we have 10 robots and 50 carts. So the operator is now going to put his parts away. Once the cart's empty, he's going to return the cart back to the staging area. He's going to call the robot to come do a return move. The robot's going to take it back to our sorting area and start all over again. So as I said, we chose a cart-based solution. It allows us to easily automate the workflow that we already had. So previous to this, we had an operator and a tugger who was pulling a cart to these locations and dropping it off for the, the uh, FTE that was in the row to do the put-away. Um, very high cart to robot. So we're running about five carts per robot in this implementation. So that allows an operator to load five different carts before we have one robot involved. That lowered our cost significantly. Each cart can handle 77 kilograms, which is about 170 pounds. We do a lot of small lot type carton activity. The material comes in from overseas mixed. We take it to a sort area. We do not store material mixed on our warehouse racking. Everything has a discrete location. So as we're sorting, we're loading to the cart. When the cart's full, we call the robot. The robot comes and grabs the material and delivers it to the end cap for the FTE to put away. Uh, one of the things that was one of the highest on our list was for the device to be safe. And this device has been certified for CEO Mark and Isolab. That was a big deal for us. Uh, we're using it for three different workflows in this environment. Order picking, replenishment, put away in our hots. So a million square foot facility, we have one center hot door, hot van. That supports both their bulk operations, which is about three quarters of that million square foot facility, as well as the supermarket small lot, which is about 25% at the far end. We had previously had uh, employees that were on a tugger when we had a hot order from the plant, i.e. the plant was gonna go down for a part either for uh, missing material, supplier issue, quality holds. Uh, we would have an operator on a tugger, he would go pick the part, then he would drive that material all the way to the middle of the building, drive back empty, and that main drive aisle is one of the most congested. At any given time, there's 30 to 50 fork trucks that are loading outbound trailers, so that operator was contending with traffic, and all he was doing was delivering a part. We changed that process so that now the operator picks the part and delivers to a staging area in the supermarket, he calls a robot, the robot then comes, grabs that cart, and does that long non-value-add movement to our hot door, delivers the rack. There's another operator at the hot door waiting for the material. He unloads the cart, scans the cart, goes back into the staging area. We have two dedicated robots for this activity, so there's always a robot on either side of the operation waiting for a cart to be delivered. It's one, improved our cycle time. It's also eliminated a number of operators in that operation because now those operators can continue picking parts instead of having to do the long haul movement. The other reason that we went with this solution is Fetch is cloud-based. So that allowed us to implement the solution without installing any additional hardware within our environment, but also allowed us to integrate through a series of APIs. And for us, 
we run our entire operation through our warehouse management system, which we call Acculink. It is the backbone of this operation. Without the warehouse management system, we would not be successful. Our ability to tie into FetchCore allows our system to actually drive FetchCore to do these triggered-based activities when we need it done. So we wanted a solution that was easy to implement, uh, the cloud fit for that. We also wanted a solution that would tie into our warehouse management system that was critical for us to be successful. This here is the list of different devices that Fetch currently has on market. That was another benefit for us. So this same solution will work with any one of these devices. The workflows are the same. And we can plug and play these in our operation with very little effort. So this is the solution that we're using in Smyrna. We've used this HMI device in other locations. And we're going to be beta testing these devices within the next three to six months. Um, this device here is a little unique. It's actually an RFID scanner, so you can actually do unattended full-time, real-time inventory through these devices as well. Um, so in reverse, if you're using this operation for picking, you can integrate with your warehouse management system, do the picking activity. Once you've completed your pick, he's going to walk through. As you're completing your pick, you take it to a staging area. Again, you call the robot, and the robot's going to move it to an outbound door. And the benefit here is, again, eliminate the waste. We get paid based on our picking and packing activity, not moving parts around a building. So he's going to deliver to an end cap. And in this case, he's going to scan a pickup. We've done uh, two different methodologies of this. We've either had a positional label in this case, or we've actually put labels on the cart. Um, it really depends on whether the carts are dedicated to that physical location or not. So robots now delivering it to an outbound door. The operator's gone. He's been able to load another cart in the meantime. The next robot in the queue is going to select this job and start picking it up. The other benefit with Fetch is that their logic will take the closest robot. So if we have eight robots allocated to an activity, um, one robot's 10 foot away and one robot's 400 foot away, the software is smart enough to determine which robot is the best robot to take this job. So as we look at the different workflows, um, ref uh, receiving to raw material storage, or in our case, uh, our mix area. So we'll take material from an inbound dock, we'll take it to a mix area, we'll sort, and then it'll get delivered to an end cap. Uh, we have other locations where we're using the solution directly from dock to stock for small parts. Uh, materials to a production line. When we're integrated in a facility, we can do Kanban deliveries directly through the cart solution. Same thing with assembly cells. If we're doing sequencing for small lot commodities, we can use it to support our sequencing operations. Or end of line finish good handling. Load onto a cart or a fixture and have that cart delivered back for packaging. Urgent parts delivery I touched on already. And then Kanban replenishment. Another area that we're using this is uh, for trash collection, dunnage collection. We typically have a big fixed bin. Fork truck operator comes through every couple hours, clears those bins out. Non-value add for the operator. So instead, we can have a robot do that bin collection and bring a new bin and drop it. So our receiving to raw storage. The material is brought to the sort area. Our operator then scans one box, tells him the destination for that box. He's going to take that material, put it on the cart. He's going to actually scan it to this part, to that cart. Within our warehouse management system, we then have an inventory update to reflect that that material is sitting on this cart and ready for delivery. 
Once the card is full, the operator moves the car into a staged pick area, scans the cart to tell the robot that it's ready for pickup, that updates WMS to tell that that material is in transit on its way to the end cap, and puts the job into the queue for the robot to come do its activity to pick up the material. Robot attaches to the cart, does map planning to determine the best uh, route to take, drives to the end cap. Once it arrives at the end cap, it's going to drop the cart. The operator is going to pick up the cart, do his delivery, scan the material to the shelf that it belongs to. As the cart's loaded, goes to the next operation. The operator takes the cart back, calls the robot again. Robot reconnects with the cart, returns the empty cart back to the sort area, start all over again. Very simple workflow. Um, same thing. So these are the actual work instructions that correspond to this activity. Scan the cart, load the cart, put the cart into the location, identify it as loaded. Robot comes, arrives, picks up the cart, follows the same chain. So this goes back to where we're trying to simplify the operator's job. We keep them in location, prevents them from walking around, talking to people, extended bathroom breaks, you know, visiting the vending machine multiple times a day, but also simplifies their job. It's very easy. They're loading a cart and they're calling a robot and wash, rinse, repeat, doing it over again. Um, same thing, you can use the same workflow as end-aligned loaded cart to deliver material uh, wherever you want it to go. As I mentioned, this is the workflow for our HOTS part where we're using a fixed HMI. You load the rack. Um, the, one of the benefits with the HMI is you can use a screen as we see in number four. So if you were in a situation where you didn't have the integration with the warehouse management system, you could still use this solution without, <clears throat> excuse me, without actually tying with a third-party system. You could actually program your HMI with directions from the operator where they would select where they want it to go, whether it was the hot location, zone one, zone two. So the operator push a button, direct the robot where to go. Uh, once the robot arrived, it would wait for another operation queue. So the screen would pop up with another set of instructions. Where do you want me to go? Do you want me to return home? Do you have another destination for me? And the operation, operator can just select. So in this case, the operator selects receiving. It'll go to the receiving location, wait for another queue from the operator. The operator selects shipping, continues on, repeat, loads the same operation, starts all over again. So as I mentioned before, one of the things for us was the ability to integrate. And that was one of the key uh, differentiators from Fetch from one of our, some of our other partners that we've chosen is that they're cloud-based. They have a full-scale <clears throat> API to interface with. And it's task-based. So they have what they've deployed that's called Workflow Builder. It's a GUI drag-and-drop solution where our operations group, who's not very technical, can actually go into our workflows and develop a solution that works for their operation because they know op their operation better than any of the IT people without having to write code. <clears throat> so as we look at some of the benefits of going with cloud, uh, the cloud is becoming more pervasive. Uh, five years ago, a lot of companies were adverse. We were adverse with going with the cloud. But 
uh, as you see other customers and other solutions such as Office 365, Salesforce, they're all cloud-based. That allows us to lever very powerful solutions without a lot of infrastructure management and IT support costs. Um, it also allows us to incorporate a lot of different solutions with very few endpoints. Um, things from communications, video streaming, um, BI tools, if you're using Power BI or Click or some other Tableau, some other BI tool, uh, allows really easy integration with other solutions. And then uh, the ability to integrate from all locations. It's available from anywhere. I can pull it up on my phone right now. I can see exactly what's going on in my operations. There's no firewall. There's no constraints. Um, and then most cases, <clears throat> it means scalability. So we can go from a very small location to a very large location without a lot of activity on our end to support that. We bump up our number of users, and we're off to the races. and as I mentioned, the ability to access from anywhere. The other thing that uh, the cloud gives us is the ability to quickly deploy new solutions. Uh, the other benefit that I already touched on was the ability to plug in different AMRs. This is very, very new technology. I mean, five years ago, this did not exist in a production environment. So um, if you look at Fetch and other providers, their offering, product offering from two years ago to today is, is much different. Uh, and we expect that to change again over the next two to three years as battery technology gets better, um, as more players drop out of the market and other players become more mature. We wanted a solution that we could add to uh, down the road as our uh, partners integrate more solutions into their world, we can incorporate in ours without starting over again. So as they create bigger robots with more capabilities, it's just plug and play. And the ability to manage all of our sites from one platform at one location, one address. That was another big, big deal for us. Um, the ability to do automatic over-the-air updates. Anybody that supports a large manufacturing facility knows that updates are the bane of our existence. Many times these are extended activities over the course of weeks and months. Um, we've deployed updates from Fetch in the course of an hour. We test them in a development environment, sign off that everything works, new workflows are deployed, and we're up and running an hour later with zero impact to the operation. That's huge versus on-prem deployment. So just kind of a different overview of robots in different environments. These work in, obviously in e-com, that's what they're originally designed for uh, as a co-robot. But we're seeing them more in manufacturing, more to support return flows, uh, supporting end of line. And then the different configurations, you can tailor make your solution to support the activity that you expect your operator to do. If you want HMI feedback, you can go with an HMI solution. If you want a cart where you're not tying the robot to the movement, you have that capability. The other benefit is the ease of use and the ability to integrate with third-party solutions such as conveyors, scanners, uh, point-of-use activity. Uh, this is the RFID tag surveyor. Uh, that will actually do real-time inventory within a facility. And I believe this device is actually up for an MHI award this year. 
so this is actually their web-based workflow builder. So one of the first things you do is you take the robot and you map it. And this is the GUI that you see. Very easy to use. We have uh, quite a few operators that actually use this tool. So as operations change the environment, they're not relying on IT to fix their solution. We actually had a case where in Smyrna, we deployed this solution. Two weeks later, we had to move racking. We compressed some aisles to support some very narrow equipment and tried to free up some pace and basically had to remap the facility. We remapped a 200,000 square foot area within the facility in a matter of an hour. Um, and, and our operations team did it. Didn't require any IT support, didn't require the third party to come in and do it for us. We actually were able to map and go on our own. And we deployed this over summer shutdown. So automotives typically take one or two shutdowns a year. It's typically either July or around Christmas time. We actually started this activity on the first day of Nissan's shutdown and were completed within one week. Units were unpackaged, mapped, all the uh, points and workflows were created, deployed. Second week of shutdown, we tested the solution. Third week, we were up and running, ready to go when the, when the plant came back online. So step one, unpack the crate. It's very simple. Step two, get your robot on your Wi-Fi, drive it around your facility to do the mapping. These have LiDAR-based technology, so as they're driving around, they're actually capturing an image of what your facility looks like so that you can create key points. You can see where racks are at. You can see where your posts are at. It allows you to align the robot to the map on the second phase uh, as we're driving it around. Uses a little remote control. Actually, uh, the operations group got a kick out of it. It's almost like a video game. And then start your workflows. So simple as that. <clears throat> so if we look at um, this actual project, we came up with the project pilot got approval, took a couple of weeks, received our robotics within week two, they were deployed. Week three through week six, we were optimizing. And then from week six on, we've now incorporated the robots and more workflows. So as we've used it, uh, we went on the high side of the five to one robot to cart solution. We found that we can actually run more of an eight to one or a 10 to one. So what we've been doing is taking our robots and allowing our operations and our lean group to actually take robots and carts and deploy them in other activities. They're doing a lot of pilot programs. They'll end up taking a robot, two or three carts, and use another area, whether it's dunnage collection, returns management, um, paper delivery. Uh, we have some operations that do heavy printing because of sequence racks. Uh, we'll actually have the robots do a paper route where they're delivering papers and labels to uh, fixed points for an operator, and it just runs on a loop. Uh, anybody that's deployed large solutions like AGVs or ASRS know that uh, six weeks is unheard of. A typical AGV project is going to be six to nine months, in some case 18 months. ASRS, ASRS solutions can be anywhere from 24 months to five years, depending on the scope and complexity. Uh, one of the other benefits that we liked for this solution was what they call RAS, Robot as a Service. So much like your software as a service, Office 365 or Platform as a Service, Infrastructure as a Service, Robots as a Service allows you to 
purchase these units on a pay-as-you-go pricing plan, allows you to flex up or flex down if you're in a seasonal environment, and gives you the portability of a solution that you can pick up and go somewhere else. That was huge for us. Um, and then all the additional benefits that you get with a cloud-based solution, the easy to implement, the upgrades, deployability, and technology protection. This is a huge deal. Anybody that's purchased an AGV solution or ASRS, five years down the road, you see the new bright, shiny object, you're not replacing that technology. That's long haul, 10, 15, 20 year technology. In this solution, we know that these robots are not gonna be in service five years from now. That's our plan, is there'll be a better, newer unit three to five years. We can replace this technology on a pay-as-you-go approach. We're not stuck with legacy hardware. Uh, so, um, as I mentioned in our goals, immediate financial benefit. Uh, we paid for this technology ongoing within the first two months. So we recouped all of our costs and we're actually seeing a savings month over month based on the ROS platform, uh, almost out of the gate. Addressed our conic label shortages. We were basically able to reduce a number of overtime hours. So our approach with AMRs is not to eliminate staffing. They're de designed to be used collaboratively. Uh, we're not in a position to reduce staff. We're trying to reduce the number of open help recs that we have. Um, in my environment today, I've got nine active projects. I have 1,300 help recs that I'm gonna have to fill over the next two quarters. I'm not reducing head, I'm just trying to alleviate the pressure of not being able to get the, the FTEs that are not available in the market. Uh, so we focus staff on revenue generating tasks. I want them picking, sequencing, subassembly. I don't want them walking 500 feet or driving 750 to 1,000 feet. Let the robots do it. They don't get tired. So, um, and then improve worker satisfaction. So the one thing we find is we implement AGVs and ASRSs is they're taking away people's jobs. It's very confrontational. Labor does not like seeing big automation. But the small AMRs, they'll work right alongside them. They're very safe. Um, we actually had instances where our operators were naming the robots. Our first pilot location, we had two robots. They called it Fred and Wilma. Um, every one of these robots, you'll see they actually now have a little sticker. They're all named. So they're actually working hand in hand. They're not afraid of the robots. They're not afraid of the robots taking their job. They understand what their function is. Um, I cannot stress enough user acceptance. Anybody that's done an AGV program with operators that didn't want them there, it can be painful. Very, very painful. Uh, and that, just the time to implement. Uh, I, I can't stress enough being able to put this into play in a matter of weeks and be able to walk away and have the operation team management. That was huge for my group. And my group is already stressed to the max. And then boosting output while managing costs. You know, I bet that was one of my key points is my customers want me to continue driving more efficiency and bringing their costs down year over year, but my biggest cost in any operation is my labor, which is going up year over year. And that concludes my presentation. Um, any questions, any, uh, anything anybody would like to talk about at this point? If not, um, feel free to reach out to me after this. Uh, you can actually reach me either via email or LinkedIn. I'm more than happy to address any of your questions, concerns, or talk about how uh, AMRs may be a fit for your organization. 
Uh, I did mention Fench. They are the provider that we had partnered with in this activity. I will say they've been great to work with. Um, one of the benefits there is that uh, they have a good user community. So um, I talk with a lot of their other customers. We work together. Uh, there are things that AMRs are not prepared to address yet, but collectively, uh, as a group, we've come up with some unique solutions, and one of the benefits with Fetch is they're willing to listen. So they've taken a lot of our ideas and actually incorporated them into their product as, uh, as they deploy and do future releases. Again, thank you for your time. Appreciate you coming out, and uh, enjoy your time at Modex.